day, February 27th, 2014. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we present a purposefully cryptic lecture on the Hermetic conception of immortality and the concept of the great I Am in Kabbalah, astrology, alchemy, magic, and Kala Chakra. And this profound and ultimate mystery can be explained briefly in fairly simple terms, but whenever someone tries to do this, they are either laughed at, locked up, or put to death. And the concept is so feared and reviled that it is demonized by psychologists and marginalized by modern philosophers. And although the great pre-Socratian thinkers Parmenides, Empedocles, and Heraclitus considered it primary, the starting point from which the science of logic and reason arise. Now, the great secret is obviously not for everybody, even though Jesus tried to get the common man to understand it in mythic rather than philosophic terms. And even though he mythologized it, he still got himself killed. So we can't come right out and cast our pearls before swine, lest they turn and rend us, to quote the master. But we can at least point to the philosophy and the science behind our mystery and encourage those who have the mind as well as the speech to find the center point and the prize for the souls. So, tune in and we'll peek behind the veil. Now, we have a very distinguished uh, colleague who um, wants to call in tonight. I've invited him to call in and uh, we'll have a discussion following this lecture. Uh, And so I want to make sure that he understands our guest call-in. And that guest call-in number is area code 347-857-1830. I'll repeat that. Area code 347-857-1830. Now, this lecture being as important as we believe it is, uh, and will become, of course, a one of the lessons in your associate member program, which we, you will be examined on. Um, because it is so important, uh, I have uh, written it out, and I'm using other writings which we have already, uh, which we've already done and published. Uh, We'll have selections from Wisdom of the Avatars of Mount Shasta, and we will have uh, and we'll have uh, some poems or poetry from the early Seventh Ray. And this will be the first half of this lecture, and we will deal with astrology, alchemy, and Kava Chakra next week. So. Without further ado, and you don't have to get your some paper out to take notes because uh, uh, we'll have this, of course, on podcast, and it will also 
be in the associate member program. We have a call in. Art, is that you? How to work the system? I've never oh, been on. Oh yeah, internet right. radio. Uh, yeah, well, I, let me let me introduce you. You are you are the most senior and distinguished alchemist in the United States. And we are very, very honored to have you as a colleague and an advisor. And this is Art Konkin, and formerly of the uh, of the Paracelsus Institute and uh, and uh, Los Angeles so, Free Press. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, Art, what I'd like you to do is hang on, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and deliver this lecture. And it's you know it's it's, it's kind of formal, so you hang on and. Uh, Okay, and then as soon as I'm done with it, it'll run, I think it's going to run about, whoa, maybe 25 minutes. And after I'm done with it, then you and I can, uh, we've got, we've got uh, plenty of time, we've got two hours left tonight, we can we can have a grand time. So just hang on and let me, uh, let me go through it, and then we'll, then we'll uh, have ourselves a symposium. Thank you, right. I think you're doing a great job. Well, I'm going to try. <laughs> okay, the title of this paper is Immortality, and this is the first half of it. Shall we begin with our salutation, Nascate Ipsum, Know Yourself? Now, the great Magus Elephus Levy once declared that death is man's way of conquering immortality. Now, on first reading, this seems a clever conundrum, but like as in Cohen, it can be interpreted several ways. Do we achieve immortality through death, or does death free us from immortality? In the West, we long for an afterlife, and we struggle to believe that there will be one, whereas in the East, many are convinced that they are doomed to a succession of unhappy incarnations, and thus they strive to get off the wheel and achieve a blissful state of emptiness. To the Westerner who is determined to enjoy life, regardless of how miserable it may be, this yearning for nirvana seems like a form of suicide. And yet we ourselves have been dogmatically channeled into a once-and-forever heaven, after purgatory, or a once-and-forever hell. The pleasures or rewards of the former are nebulous, and the ordeals and the torments of the latter are very specific. What's the purpose of all this nonsense? Well, to be quite frank, we are the victims of ancient and modern systems of religion, philosophy, and politics that either seek to deny our immortality or monopolize it like a public utility. Now, with simple, inexpensive technology, we could all have all the electricity in our homes without having to pay monthly fees for it. And the same applies to immortality. But, like electricity, if you want to empower yourself, it is best that you do it quietly. Don't challenge the priests, the philosophers, and the politicians, and the electric company. Remember, Jesus of Nazareth tried to share the great secret, even though he mythologized it, and he distorted it in the metaphors of his time, and he was crucified for his effort. And his teachings were subsequently perverted by Paul and Constantine, making Christianity yet another monopoly on the salvation that everybody already has 
if they can only muster the perception to discover it. And although the secret of immortality has been known since the beginning of what we call time, by those wise enough to realize it, we can perhaps trace our Western awareness of it back to the pre-Socratian mystic philosopher Parmenides, who, in the process of discovering the secret, invented the rigorous rational discipline we call logic. What Parmenides discovered can be expressed in two words, I am. I am is the greatest magical formula. I am, and so are you. Or, I am, and you are not. And both are correct. In their mutually contradictory correctness lies the core of the mystery and the essence of the secret. Moses, even though he may have known it, certainly did not channel Yahweh's declaration, I am that I am. That declaration, upon the mystery of which the whole Hebrew Kabbalah is founded, was written into the Bible at a later date by a very wise, anonymous adept. So why is I am so important? Well, because it makes your personal reality the most important and powerful of the three major realities. I am is where God is, and where God is is the center of the universe. God rules his universe from that center point, that is what gives as above, so below, its meaning, and what makes the second greatest magical formula. In order to understand the importance of the I am in the realm of personal reality, we need to review the hermetic concept of realities. Now, from the top of the holy mountain, Hermes Trismegistus delivered the following sermon. You seek to understand why such mountains as this are sacred and holy. As the Master Hermes, I taught you that man is a microcosm of the greater universe. And, as a student of the Hermetic Master Pharos, you learned that you have all the planets of your solar system living within you, but you are closest to Mother Earth. She is the greatest planetary presence within your spiritual body, so when you climb a sacred mountain in a spiritual state of mind, you are ascending to the heights of your own planetary sphere. You become one with the earth as she reaches toward the heavens. In Kabbalistic terms, you are aspiring to Catherine of Malkuth. Now, if you wonder why we have myths and legends of mysterious temples that appear on sacred mountains and strange creatures that inhabit the caverns beneath them, you might ask yourself, how far does this microcosmic universe in yourself extend? How many previous lifetimes have you lived on this planet? How many other lives in other dimensions are you living right now? We see an endless march of worlds going on and on beyond our conception, and yet this is only one dimension that we perceive. There is an invisible infinity of parallel and adjacent universes just outside our limited perception, in which our counterparts, our shadows and reflections live and die behind dark curtains that most men never part except in dreams. And this whole vast interconnected multiverse belongs to each of us alone. 
We are the masters of our own personal cosmic infinity where life imitates art and art imitates life and everything in creation is a metaphor. You carry heaven and hell in your own pocket. As above, so below. As within, so without. In our philosophy, these other dimensions are considered levels of reality. There are many sublevels and superlevels, but three essential realities include them all. Your personal reality, your shared reality, and the ultimate reality. To resolve these three realities into one, you must first find that still, silent center point within yourself, where the veiled light we call God resides. You will find God nowhere else. Uncover that light and let it shine forth from within you, for that light is the ultimate reality. It transforms your personal reality, and it illuminates your shared reality. To one who is illuminated, all others are reflections and aspects of himself. This is the one source of his compassion and the true measure of his morality. However, I must leave you with a warning. Wisdom and immortality are the treasures of enlightenment, but no one else can give you that which is yours to find within yourself. No one else can make the decisions for you. Good and evil are for you alone to define. In darkness you may find the light, or beyond the light you may discover darkness. For in truth, you cannot have one without the other. The choice must always be yours. Well, now that we have an idea of what different realities we live in and have living inside us, it is necessary to recover our personal reality as the most important, the most critical, and the most powerful of the realities we inhabit. And yet, from Plato and Aristotle through the medieval church on into the so-called enlightenment culminating in Marx and Freud, every possible effort has been made to belittle and suppress the importance, power, and reality of the individual human imagination. In the highest Buddhist philosophy, everything perceived and imagined is considered illusion. In hermetic philosophy, everything perceived and imagined has some measure of reality or reality in the making. We believe that our imagination is God's library and God's workshop. We believe that God lives within each of us in equal measure, but in most people, he deeply hides his presence. This is what is truly meant by the phrase, all men are created equal. It means all men have an equal measure of God within. But, as Hermes says, all men have the speech but not the mind. In this and other respects, all men are certainly not created equal. And as one perceptive social critic has pointed out, much modern black magic has been perpetrated on the false principle. Now, let us consider why Christianity, as distorted and twisted as it has become, is yet the largest religion in the world. Well, the answer to that lies at its root. And then what lies at its root is the great secret. And once you remove the halo of, the, of exclusive divinity from Jesus, the truth behind his teachings shines through. But... Let us allow the Master to speak for himself, as he did from the summit of the Holy Mountain in 2006. A spiritual light 
from a mountain illuminates Reverend Bobby John Rich's face. He is seeing the same Jesus who was pictured in the painting hanging in his office. Reverend Rich asks, Are you really the Lord? The master has a halo of light about him, and he answers in a soft, comforting, yet powerful voice. I am, and wherever you are, there am I also. For is it not written that you shall do greater miracles than those I performed? And is it not likewise given that you yourself are God's? Rich is awed, hesitantly he asks, Can you grant me salvation? Jesus replies, A better question would be, Can you grant yourself salvation? For when you see the light shining in your own breast, and when you help others to find that same light within themselves, you become one with the eternal light that shines within us all. Well, do you mean by witnessing I can I can hasten the second coming? I can, I can be born again and I can help bring on the apocalypse? Jesus answers, Is it not written that no man may know the hour of my return? I say to you that the second coming and being born again are one and the same. They are within you alone. For is it not also given that the kingdom of God is within you, and thus the day of judgment comes to each of us in our own time? I am within you alone. I am within all men and women in equal measure. But in each, I am alone. I am the servant, and you are the Lord, if you only knew it. Reverend Bobby John is obviously disturbed. But uh, these witches, these pagans, these, these gays and lesbians, these abortionists, they're blasphemers. How could you be within them? Jesus patiently explains that it is written, judge, not that you may be judged. It's also given that you can blaspheme the Father, you can blaspheme the Son of Man, but you dare not blaspheme the Holy Spirit within yourself, for only then are you surely damned. Why, you mean these pagans, these perverts and heretics are all saved? The vision of Christ is beginning to fade, and his last words come softly as if from a great distance. All paths up the holy mountain lead to the same summit. Whosoever shall find the light within, by following whatever path he chooses, so long as it is an upward path of love and light, shall have life everlasting. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. The vision fades into an aura of light, and Reverend Rich murmurs, I, I think I understand now, to those professed Christians who fail to understand the above, we submit the following. You who fear the soul bird's flight, as you toll the funeral bell, to proclaim a righteous heaven and warn of a fiery hell. Yeshua's gift was lost on you, but the self-borns hurt him well. They need no selfish heaven, and they fear no fiery hell. So sleep in your graves, awaiting your trumpet of Gabriel, and preach no more salvation, this mystery so profound, for the road is never-ending, and the trumpet makes no sound. 
Well, you might agree with our critique on the political expedience of Christ's divinity and even concede the value of the individual human imagination, but you might find yourself unable to grasp the profound importance of personal consciousness, awareness, and the godlike powers to be awakened within yourself. I sympathize. Our philosophical, religious, scientific, and psychological authorities have all arrayed against this concept. They have branded it as solipsism, mysticism, romanticism, and narcissism, and they are right in their branding because everyone, including avowed atheists who have a sense of personal destiny, drive, derive their motivation from an unconscious awareness of this great secret. And the irony of this is that those unaware of this source for their egoism are often less compassionate and less tolerant of their fellow men than those who have the divine knowledge. Now you may ask, if one knows that he is in touch with God at the center of the universe and has, at least theoretically, access to all knowledge and all power, why should he have to get up and go to work in the morning and put up with all the problems and frustrations of modern life? Well, the answer lies in the separation and the interdependence of the three realities that we have already discussed, and in the humility that inevitably results when an intelligent and normally emotional human being undergoes the classic mystical experience. He or she is so awed by the presence of God that all is now known, but nothing is revealed. This is the mystery of the arch fool at the base of the tree of life and the pure fool at its apex. This is what is meant by Jesus continually referring to us becoming like children. Not so priests could rule our lives, but so that we could learn afresh to rule ourselves. And so, if we have achieved an enlightenment in our personal reality that has left us purified of all delusion and certain only of the divine continuance of our consciousness, how do we learn to drive the chariot of immortality? How do we direct the course of our soul through the ages? The answer is, in the vehicle, of our mundane personalities, we have no control beyond the gates of death. Only our super-mundane personality, that which we call our soul, that which is guided by, according to our tradition, the greatest of three holy guardian angels, this entity guides our soul through a series of 12 key incarnations, one for each sign of the zodiac, the mythological labors of Hercules, which were Phoenician before they were Greek, and were Atlantean before they were Phoenician. And keeping this in mind, it is well that we conclude this first chapter of our dissertation with a recitation of the Ten Laws of Atlantis in English and in Enochian. We swear obedience to the Lord of God upon the holy pillar. Abu Apri serve the all powerful one. Iadix Anael, honor wisdom. Kaosior, 
advanced points of view. And, <coughs> and I uh, know, you know, uh, you're you're right, and 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 there is a, there is that definitely that alternative is coming up, um, and uh, we know right now um, that we're working on um, computers that no longer that are gone beyond binary. Uh, we we we're into quantum computers now, so we can we can calculate. Uh, not just in this dimension, but we can we can calculate results in in all all the eleven dimensions that we theoretically have known about, you know, in the Kabbalah and now in quantum physics. And so we're 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 creating truly magical computers now uh, and artificial intelligence. And you know, uh, let me ask you this, Art. Uh, uh, there's a, a theory of immortality that I've been kind of uh, toying, working with a little bit, the idea, and I'm probably going to going to going to use my uh, Drill Master novel series as a way of, of of launching it. The idea of transferring, actually transferring our consciousness over to an android with a with an artificial intelligence, and that way we could one consciousness could achieve. Immortality uh, without uh, without uh, going through the Tolku process, which of course we're going to discuss next week at some length. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, that's what Ray Kurzweil is discussing when he's discussing a merger of the machines and human intelligence. And so you're right; there is research being done in that area. But I'm you know, you speak. You mentioned the Tulku approach that you want to talk about next week. I think that alchemy has a different answer, and that in my work with alchemy, which you evidently don't want to talk about tonight, I think the Philosopher's Stone is a medicine that will bring about immortality. And I don't think you need to be an alchemist in order to use this. And I think that uh, we've reached a stage of consciousness. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned with the fact that consciousness has proceeded to the point where I think a lot of people could handle immortality and want it, and, and should be, it should be given to them. And it should be given to them, I believe, and it's possible to give it to them as a simple medicine, as a pill, and, uh, and make everybody wants to be immortal. And I think this is quite different than the Tibetan concept of having a person spend their lifetime doing meditations to achieve immortality. And I think this is different than a lifetime of meditation to achieve a conscious reincarnation. So I, I think well, that alchemy yeah. is a shortcut to the whole process and I think I disagree with you on some of the things you're saying, but I, but this no, is your problem. No, Art, 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 you don't. No, no, wait a minute. You don't. You don't disagree with me. You just you know, what what you're doing is you're also offering alternatives. Now, now, I agree. No, I agree with you. There are there are alternatives to to the traditional method of of achieving immortality, and the traditional method is, uh, as you say, it's it's that's a lot of work. And uh, and a lot of work that uh, if you don't enjoy it, of course you're not going to do it if you don't enjoy it. But uh, it's a lot of work that we can achieve 
perhaps by other ways. So, so you're not you're not disagreeing with me, but but you would be disagreeing with me if you said that the Tibetan method, which is essentially the Telku process, and that's what Kalachakras, you know, that's the end result of Kalachakras, as we know. And that if you say that that they can't that they can't do it, uh, then you'd be disagreeing with me. You follow me? You no, know, I believe they do it, but they sure keep they it for a very small number of people. And while I believe that Tibet is a very important place because a lot of ancient knowledge and ancient wisdom has been preserved, the, there's a certain class structure. The social structure in Tibet is not very good. And the monks did their three-year meditations because other people were preparing the food and making it and allowing, giving the monks that time. And as a result, the Tibetan people were, to a certain extent, persecuted by the monks. And that's why when the Chinese communists moved in, a lot of the people went over to the Chinese communists, because they found the monk system, the Lama system, very oppressive. What I'm saying is there's a totally new way and I've shared this with you privately, that there's, I believe that I've made a medicine that you can take and that this will give you longevity of hundreds of, hundreds of years. Of course, I, at this point, I can't prove it. I'm 86 years old now, and, uh, but I am looking forward, frankly, to living for hundreds of years. Well, you know, I think you're on a pretty good uh, on a pretty good idea there because I've been doing it, and I set up based upon your your uh, formula, and I've set up to do it. It sure seems to be working for me, and and uh, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I'm a little younger than you are. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I I, I still you feel uh, that you have taken my medicine. Yeah, right. I'm 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 taking it regularly. In fact, I I don't don't I'm I'm taking it every day. But I use probably smaller ones than you do. <laughs> but uh, the uh, and we had uh, yeah. Now to refresh. I would be memory, careful, by the way. I don't think every day. I think every day is too much. I've been you know far more cautious and doing it once a week. And uh, incidentally, I told my doctor what I was doing. Because uh, I felt she should know, because she's giving me physicals. And uh, a year ago, when I went in, I don't think I've told you this. She had uh, five other doctors there, and they checked me out all kinds of which ways, including for radioactivity, and determined that uh, my physical body was a 50-year-old. That that was a pretty interesting experience. Uh, and there were five doctors there including a doctor with a Geiger counter. <laughs> so I just well, wanted, yeah. wanted to let you know that. And, and well, that, uh, that, that's, that's fascinating. Now, you're still, uh, but um, so I, we so know, I, see, no, 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 but Art, let, let, let's review a little bit. So, because uh, people listening here don't, aren't familiar, uh, probably some of them aren't familiar with what we're talking about. Uh, the first thing that, that you should be aware of uh, and in, the, in this process that we're discussing is that every seven years the human body remakes itself. It, may, it remakes itself completely, all the way down to the fingernails and the and the bones and everything else. And, yeah, but every and, day it's a tiny, tiny fraction of the whole body that changes. Yeah. 
So you got to take that into account too. It's not that on the seventh, in the anniversary of the seventh year, that your body just changes. So I don't no, know what it, you're it getting occurs, at. It occurs over. Yeah, it occurs. It, it occurs constantly over that period of time. Incrementally. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Is, by yeah. the way, is anybody else on this line? Uh, in terms of no, conversation? No, just, just you and me. I see. Okay. I, I'm just unfamiliar with this whole procedure. How many people do you think you have listening? Oh, probably about 50, and then um, uh, most of them, most of them will pick it up on the on the podcast, uh, and the ah. podcast will, will be immediately posted, and uh, then they will then they'll in turn. So we'll probably have uh, we'll probably have have a, a, a thousand before the uh, week is out. Well, that's very very interesting. Let me just say that I don't want to say more on this program than you would like me to say, but I would like to have the opportunity to to have some of these people talk to me and ask me questions outside of this, this forum, if, if that's possible. Would you be against well, my giving my... Yeah, Art, Art, no, no, Art, listen to me. The thousand people that will listen to this show that we're right now tonight are a very special, very special group of people. They I are the people all, all, over, all over the country and in, in some other countries, too, who are, who are especially interested in what you and I are talking about. That's what makes, that's what makes them as valuable as 50,000 people on some public radio show, whereas they would have actually less interested listeners. I agree so with you, are, and right I, now, I think right it's wonderful that you right, pulled us together. Right. Well, we've had a wonderful time doing it, and and we just it's uh, it's a labor of love, and Zandri and I both, you know, we just we just we just love it, and and we love the the wonderful comments we get back from people, uh, and and uh, people listen to us, yeah, they they listen to us on the road on the way to work in the morning and back, and you know, and they and and so well, you're talking, you are talking to. To the people out there who are, oh, would you mind if I gave them my web website address no, and my no, email that, address? That's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to do that, and I want you to tell them how to get your book and and the whole business. So go ahead. Okay, uh, I have a new website which is called StopAgingRightNow.com, and that's under construction. So there's not much up there right now. But by the time people look at it, I'm working on it this week. My email address is Mr. Life Extension at StopAgingRightNow.com. That's Mr. M-R period L-I-F-E-E-X-T-E-N-S-I-O-N.com. So I would be glad in the next period of time to talk to people and uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm thinking of doing a, a, a very interesting program of, uh, and this is something that you might want to do yourself. And uh, of actually, it's a lot of work of putting out a daily email and of getting a subscription list and putting out a daily email to the to these precious people out there, to these precious people who are interested in Golden Dawn and. Uh, so that's something I'm going to be putting up on my website, StopAgingRightNow.com, is how people can apply to that program 
and be in touch with me every day of the week, at least five days a week, maybe seven. So anyway, so that's, well, I, I thank you very much for for being so generous and allowing me to put my email on and to talk to some of your readers, per, you know, personally. And meanwhile, of course, I want to do everything I can to support your website. And uh, if you'd like, I'll put out an email about the Hermetic Hour to my email list. Well, I, I would have 2,000 people on my list. Well, we would be very, very happy to have you do that. And and and, uh, and we'll uh, we'll magic magicify them, and and they can uh, alchemicalize us, and and uh, we'll all we'll all share in the uh, in in the great work. In the, uh, and you know, I I. I want to thank you so much for uh, for coming on board, but not just that for all of the friendship we've had over the years and and, and the things you taught me. And uh, I I just really that's true. You're you're a you're you're a national treasure, Art. <laughs> that's uh yeah so so uh, let's keep up this this good I, work. I'd like to say one thing. Uh... I don't want to speak too much about myself and, you know, and put on airs and so forth, but your listeners probably know the name Israel Rigardi, and I was exceedingly close to Israel Rigardi, who was the secretary to to uh, Alistair Crowley, and, of course, a great magician and a great writer in magic. And uh, he actually wrote for me, he wrote several articles, for the Los Angeles Free Press when I was editing it, but I wasn't into this material at that time. And when I went to alchemy school in Salt Lake, uh, I learned that Rigardi had been there and then called him up. And at that point, that was probably in 1980, 81, uh, Rigardi and I became exceedingly close and were talking about uh, writing together. But unfortunately, Rigardi was an old man and and died before we could do that. But that's uh, I, I'd like your listeners to know that I was that close to a person who whose uh, honors you really have inherited. Because with his death, I mean, you are obviously the leading proponent of magic in the United States and hermetics. And, uh, uh, I'm actually no. Well, well, let me let me correct you on that. Uh, yes, I, I yes, I I knew I knew Francis Regardi, and and uh, I, I can't call myself a student of his because at the time uh, I knew him, he was um, uh, he was very very much in uh, uh, in Grady McMurtry's OTO camp at that time, and I couldn't quite manage that. But we, but Regardi and I remained friends nonetheless. And uh, and uh, now, uh, presently, uh, I have uh, uh, association with uh, an organization that he had something to do with, but uh, yeah, in Golden Dawn wise. But what? But regardless of that, I I'm going to defer to Chick Cicero, who also knew Rigardi rather well. I'm going to re- defer to Chick Cicero. Uh, the honor that you are trying to bestow upon me. I, I think that he is probably uh, the man who's done the most uh, to preserve the Golden Dawn in this country. 
and and uh, I think uh, we wouldn't, you know, agree with that. So uh, he's another very close, very close friend of, of, of Francis Regardi's. Uh, and with, with all of us, and all of us who knew Regardi, even though at, at various times uh, I didn't agree with him, of course, on this, the polemic thing, uh, but uh, still. I, I deeply uh, respected him, and he was a, he, he was a wonderful. Uh, and even though um, I can't call him, I can't call him my teacher, but he taught me very great. He taught me a lot, and and uh, uh, so yeah, so so you certainly are one of the old. You certainly are one of the old guard, Art, and and uh, we're. And the old guard is, is determined now, and you are, and I am, and and we are, Chick is, and all of this to get as much of this out to the people who who are now once again interested in it. And we're having a magical revival in this country, and an alchemical revival, and uh, so so this means that those of us of the old guard, we have a big responsibility, and we're trying to we're trying to fulfill it, and. Yeah. Uh, I think you're being very modest. I think you're doing great work, and whether you're the leader or still doing, you're still doing great work and important work. And uh, you are the only one sponsoring this Hermetic Hour, as far as I know. But I certainly would would like to hear from people who are listening to this program and uh, be able to get, get an education that way. Uh, so I hope that. People are sitting in front of their computers and send me an email right now at Mr. Life Extension. Well, I hope they do, too. And next week, I'd like to have you back on uh, the same way, uh, uh, the chapter, the uh, second chapter of, of this immortality lecture. Uh, okay. The second part of it, the second part of the immortality lecture is going to deal with uh, astrology, and we just touched on that tonight, the labors of Hercules, of course. And uh, and so it would be astrology, alchemy, and Kala Chakra, which, of course, is, is you know, the uh, Bodhisattva vows uh, leading you to Shambhala. And uh, so that will be on the agenda next week. And I'll okay, would you like me to kind of sign off at this point? Yeah, and well, just continue with the program gonna, with other yeah, people. Yeah, we're gonna, no, no, we're going to wind up. We're going to wind up right now because we're running toward about an hour. So uh, what I want you to do is call in next week. Same. I will uh, do that. Same channel, same deal, and we will go ahead and finish up this. I'll finish up the lecture, and then we'll have the commentary, and and we'll. Meanwhile, thanks again for coming on board. Uh, okay, and, uh, let me ready. repeat my email address. All right, yeah, Mr. go ahead and Life, get across again. Go on. At stopagingrightnow.com, and that'll get to me, and I'll talk to people other, another way. That's, that's thank great. you very much, that's folks. It. Okay, thank you, Maestro. So see you next week. Right, And bye. for all the rest of you people out there at Radio Land, God bless you and good magic.